And open your Bibles with me or turn to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11 and starting in verse 25. It says at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the call of the Savior for us to come to him. We do that this morning. We come into your presence with singing and into your courts with thanksgiving and joy in our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that you meet us here exactly where you said you would be. You meet us in the gathering of the saints. You meet us in the worship over your word and the declaration of the same. And I thank you, Lord, that we will receive from you, Holy Spirit, what we have need of today in Jesus name. Amen. So as we're continuing our series on the soul, uh, we've covered a lot of ground already. Number one, that we have one, right? It says that God breathed into the nostrils of the man and he became a soul alive. We have one and according to the Savior, it's important. He said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits or loses his soul, his very Life. We, we, we've learned that our soul is needy, that we are unlimited only in our needs and desires. We're limited in everything else about us, but our needs and our desires are unlimited. And one of the things that our soul needs is a keeper. And he and his sovereignty has designated a portion of that to us to keep our own soul. We've learned that our soul needs to hear the truth and it needs to hear the truth from us. Why so downcast, O oh my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, because I will yet praise him, right? And we talked last week about how our soul needs an anchor. We talked about why would you need an anchor? Because there are going to be storms. The wind will blow, and you need to be held fast in his promises. And again, I know that's a lot that we covered. I'm not going to re uh, cover any of it this morning, but if any of those that you missed or you want to tread back over it again, uh, we do have those available either on the Facebook Connect Facebook Connect group page um, every Sunday. This video that goes out to that group. If you're not a part of that and would like to be, uh, let me know. And then also uh, podcasts, uh, the recordings on our website, um, CamdenBelieversChurch.com. Or you can just Google Believer Church Camden and it'll pop up. It's on there. But today, as we're talking about the needs of our soul and we look at Matthew 11, what we're going to see is that our soul needs communion and rest. It needs to commune with the Savior and we need 
rest or soul rest. And we'll get to that. But first, I want to talk about what the opposite of rest looks like so we know and can easily identify what our problem is, which I don't think it'll take very long. I think we can all uh, sympathize with what I'm talking about when we talk about unrest or restlessness or fatigue especially as it relates to our soul. We know what it's like to be physically fatigued or physically tired where we stay up too late and we get up too early and we rely too heavily on caffeine to get us going in the morning and keep us going in the afternoon. And when people ask us, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm tired. Physically, I'm tired. I've done more than I feel like I had energy to do and I'm operating at a deficit. We know what that is like. We know what it's like to grow more tired and feel less productive and then uh, feel even more tired after that and go to bed tired, wake up tired. We know what that feels like physically. And what we also know is what it feels like mentally. And a lot of what we mean when we say I'm tired uh, is coming from our mind and not from our body. We feel it in our body, but it's a product of what's going on in our mind. Our mind is assaulted with information all day long, all day long information is thrown at you. We have all of these screens that demand our attention. We've got all these lists going on in our head of errands that we have to run, things that we have to do that are not yet completed, bills that have to be paid that aren't yet paid, work tasks, things at work where we're employed that have to be done that aren't yet done and that we don't have time to get done before the end of the day today and we know they're going to be there in the morning along with everything else that tomorrow would bring and we've got all of that going on in our mind and plus we end up with unpleasant emotions because of all those things, because the cart may be too overloaded, we've got unpleasant emotions that we're feeling, we don't want to feel those so we spend some of our mental capacity holding those down like trying to hold a beach ball underwater. Uh, It's difficult to do, right? It always wants to rise to the surface, but that's another thing that we do. And then that's not to mention when we go through uh, draining emotional circumstances, just things in life, uh, whether it's something that we're dealing with, walking with someone else who's dealing with something difficult, it drains us emotionally and that makes us mentally fatigued. And then even it gets over into our will, a deeper part of us or how we decide things, how we make decisions, because there are so many decisions on a daily basis that we have to make. And there's so much pressure that comes from that. We feel like if we miss it on one of these decisions, then everything is going to fall apart. And I'll take just a minute, give you just a by the way there, because I see this more and more, whether it's making the decision, should I seek this position or that position? Should I work at this job or that job? Should I do this with my child or this with my child? Which program should I put them under? Which book should I read when they're born so that I know how to feed them? And what's the best way to train them to sleep? And if I don't train them to sleep the right way, good grief, they're not going to get into the better. They're not going to be ready for kindergarten. If they're not ready for kindergarten, then they're never going to make it where they need to by high school. And then all is going to be, you see what I'm saying? We feel like we have this pressure on us every that every decision that we have to make is the most important decision in the world. And that's more pressure than you need to put on yourself. What I would tell you and I encourage you in is why you will make big decisions in your life. You need to be planning on just just playing the long game. 
Because you will make mistakes. You will make the wrong decisions and you'll have to adjust from that. But as you seek the Lord and as you sit underneath his wisdom and learn from him, which we'll talk about today, I don't, I'm, I'm fine with getting ahead because I think this is important. You'll see that as long as your direction is right, your decisions will be okay. So don't put so much pressure on yourself, especially as it relates to these little ones and what's going to happen with them. He took care of you. He got you this far. He'll take care of them as well. Amen. That's separate. That's just different. But we need to understand that we are imperfect. Remember that we're imperfect. Even though our desires are for perfection, we are imperfect and we, we will mess up. Calm down. Don't freak out. There's a long game going and it will be okay. It will be okay. So we see these things and that's the, the, all of these result in a feeling of restlessness, restlessness or feeling restless, the lack of rest. Well, how'd you sleep last night? Well, I was just restless. I just couldn't get comfortable. I was uncomfortable. It, it's stressful. And when we experience those feelings, those emotions, those times in life, it makes us feel like we're far from God. I didn't say it makes us far from God. I said it makes us feel like we are separated from him, that we are distanced from what we love most about life, what we love most about being alive in his creation. We're experiencing all of that restlessness. It drains and saps the experience of the goodness that we normally experience in life, doesn't it? It hurts physically, mentally, emotionally, it hurts. That's what lack of rest looks like. It's not just being tired. Restlessness goes deeper than that in us. And it's into that feeling, into that experience and that weariness that Christ speaks here in Matthew 11. And it's a text in two parts. We'll cover the first part pretty quickly, starting in verse 25. Because the first half will inform the last part. At the verse of verse 25, it says, at that time, which is important to just place it in the text. What's going on when Jesus says this? He had just finished talking about an unresponsive generation. He was like, what shall I compare this generation to? You're seeing miracles. You're hearing the truth. And then you're walking away from it and acting like you didn't see it and acting like you hadn't heard it. And it's going to be better for places like Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for those who hear the word and then go off and act like they didn't hear it. And it says at that time is when Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things you have entrusted to me, all things have been entrusted to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal Him. So he's talking about these things. He said, Blessed are you, O Lord, you've hidden some things away from people who are prideful and wouldn't want to believe them. But you've revealed them to those who are coming to you in humility. And we know that that's what Scripture says, that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the Humble, And it says it pleased the father to entrust all things to the son, to Jesus. And Jesus said, no one knows me. No one knows me, Jesus, like the father knows 
me. And he said to them, no one knows the father like I know him. And anyone else that I desire or will to reveal the father to. He said, I'll reveal the father to anyone I desire. And for them, that was a big statement. We see later in the gospel that uh, Philip would say, show us the father. Show us the father. And Jesus said, no one knows the father like the son. We see the Trinity there in operation. And he said, I, the son, Jesus, choose who I will reveal him to. So this is where he's saying nobody knows or understands the father like I know and understand the father. I'll reveal him to whom I choose to reveal him. And then look what he says in verse 28. We'll reread 28 and Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So after all of that, after saying all of that, saying woe to this generation who hears the truth and won't believe it. And he said, nobody knows the father like I know the father and I will reveal him to whom I choose. Look who he calls to him next. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. After all of that, he calls the weary and the burdened to himself and says what? I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Come to me and receive rest. All you who are weary, burdened under a heavy load, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. His rest is not transactional It's a gift of grace. It's not transactional. It's a gift of grace. He didn't say, come to me, all you sinless ones. Come to me, all you who are doing a good job. Come to me, bring your gifts, and then I will give you rest. That's not what he said. He called out uh, in our need, our restlessness, our burdens. Those are our invitations to come. Those are our invitations to come to him. He accepts us when we're weary. He accepts us when we're burdened. He accepts us when we would expect to be rejected. That's grace. That he accepts us when we would otherwise expect that we would be rejected. He accepts us at our weakest. He accepts us at our worst. Deep exhale, right? Thank God. Thank God. He accepts me at my worst, my weakest, my weariest point. He accepts me. And that's only him. He's the only one who does that and those who have learned from him. So he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In verse 29, he says, take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He said, take up my yoke and learn from me. Now, a yoke, one, one thing that a yoke is, is something that you put on the oxen while they're treading out the ground to hold them, harness them, and keep them in place. It was a weight on their shoulders, and it directed them. But Jesus wasn't a farmer. He was a teacher. And the word yoke was also used to describe the teaching of the law, the Mosaic 
law. It was a yoke and a teaching that you would put on the people who were listening. And Jesus uses this term to contrast him and his teaching against the Pharisees in the way they were teaching the law. Yoke was the teaching of how this is how life is. This is how life works. So it's a, it's a word with two meanings there. And we see it even when we were going through the book of Acts. Peter said in Acts chapter 15, he said, why are you testing God, putting a yoke on the disciples that neither we or our ancestors could bear? And what were they doing? They were teaching them that they had to become Jewish in order to become Christians. They were teaching that to the Gentiles. And Peter said, why are you putting a yoke on them, a teaching on them that we couldn't bear or that our ancestors couldn't bear? So he says, take up this yoke. Jesus's yoke is his teaching. What's he teaching? He's going to reveal the father and the son and what life is all about. He said, come, take, take my yoke and learn from me. Take up my yoke, learn from me. And in that, in that learning, you will find rest for your souls. We find rest for our souls. Remember, our soul is what integrates all all the parts of us in health, all the things about us working together. Our soul is doing that and it gets worn out and restless when we go through this life. And he's like, you're going to need to find rest for your souls. Come to me. You who are weary and burdened, take up my yoke, take up my teaching, what I know about life. I'm going to share with you what I know about how life really works. Nobody knows the father like I know him. Nobody knows me like the father. And I'm going to reveal this to you. So we see we find rest for our souls in communion, communication and time with him. It's not complicated. In life, we will have restlessness and we will have fatigue. In Christ, we have communion. We have uh, a learning opportunity and we find in him what we're learning when we're living with and in him lasting rest. We have restless work when we're going about life. It's restless. It's going to be. You're going to have that. He teaches us how to rest from work and also how to rest with work. He said, you will find rest for your souls. And he said, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to teach it to you. Think about Jesus. Jesus got stuff done. He got stuff done. He got a lot of stuff done. He endured many things including rejection. He had just been talking about how he had been rejected. He endured that. And he embodied in life how to commune with the Father. He said, nobody knows the Father in heaven like I know the Father in heaven. He communed with the Father here on earth and he found rest. You think about his lifestyle, what he did, what we see in his lifestyle from the scripture, prayer. How often is it he had gone away to pray? Solitude getting off by himself, just him and the father, but yet also friendship and community. As soon as he started his ministry, when he left from his family and started his ministry, he called these others to him and he had the core group of at least the 12 who were with him all the time. He had this friendship and community that he lived in. We see that he fasted. We see how much he studied and knew 
the scriptures because he would call it up when he would be teaching. He's like, you've heard it said. It says here. And he would just repeat it and quote it. So we know that the scripture was a big part of his life. And then you see him operating kindness towards others, a kindness that is still to this day unparalleled and unprecedented that you see in Christ Jesus. And we think, okay, well, sure, he is the son of God. Of course, he's going to be good at all of this. But he beckons us. He's bidding us to come and learn from him and that he will reveal to us the truth about life. And in his truth, what he knows about life and what he knows about the soul, that we will find rest. That we'll find rest. And we can't ask for Jesus... Life in Jesus without expecting to also walk in and be ready for his lifestyle. His lifestyle, those disciplines, everything that I mentioned that that he did, that he made a regular part of his life. How can we expect to have an end result like Jesus if we're not also going to be walking in the day to day like Jesus walked? And you may be thinking, oh Lord, here we go. (laughs) But we seem to think that Uh, we seem to think that these things make us less when they clearly made him more. That they're taking away from us, that they're taking away from life and what needs to be done when they clearly made him more. Because we can think of these spiritual disciplines or these practices that Jesus put into place as a part of his life. Again, he was the son of the almighty God. And yet he put these things in place in his life, but we can think of them as obligations, right? As a job, something that we have to do. Well, I have to read my Bible today. I haven't done that yet. I have to pray more. I have to go to church more. I have to, I have to, I have to. And what I would say when it's, when, when you're thinking about it that way as an obligation or a job, you know how they say you're not holding your mouth right? You just weren't holding your mouth right. You're not looking at it the right way. Way instead of obligations, these are avenues of grace. And I've used that term a lot. They're they're avenues of grace on which we can experience Him, that we learn from Him, that we commune with Him. And in that communion, we learn from Him. We connect to the grace and the joy that comes from being in the presence of the Father, like we sang about this morning. I'm in love with your presence That's how we connect to the presence. These, all these avenues of grace that he's made available to us. And so what we learn as, as we follow him, what we learn as we look into his life is that wherever we are, whatever it is that we're doing, we can be at home with him wherever we are. Whatever we're doing, whatever is going on, we can be at home with him. Psalm says, you have always been our our home. And where should you be able to rest best? At home. At home, right? Because you can put your feet up at home. You can be yourself at home. That's what they say about home. That's a place where they always have to let you back in. (laughs) That's what home means. They always have to take you in when you show up at the door. And that's how it should be. I know it's not always like that, but with him, it is always like that. And we can be at home with him. He said, learn from, take up my yoke, learn from me and you will find rest for your soul. So we need to ask ourselves, 
How many moments of my day can I fill with conscious awareness of God's presence and His goodness towards me? How many moments in my everyday, in my day today, in my day tomorrow, can I fill with conscious awareness that I am at home with Him? That I am in the presence of Almighty God and then think on His goodness towards me. I read a quote that our soul is made to rest in God like a tree rests in the soil. Our soul, our soul is made to rest in God like a tree rests in the soil. And I took that as kind of like a Selah moment. Like I almost had to sit and think about that one for a minute. Just that image. That's how my soul should rest in Him like a tree rests in the soil. You remember I, I quoted a few weeks ago uh, Dallas. We were talking about Pastor John and his mentor Dallas. Dallas said, our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists of loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. And he says, that strategy is bound to fail. He said, when we think that Christianity is just turning the other, and and it is, it, it is those things, but it's not just those things. Loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hopefully, while just living the rest of our lives just like everybody else does. He said that strategy is bound to fail. And so our question for us is, are we making that mistake? Am I trying to live like everybody else but still experience the things that Jesus told me that I would experience? He said, no one knows the Father like the Son. Let's read that again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What he's saying, he's like, are you tired? Come here. Are you weary? Come here. Are you heavy and are you burdened under a heavy load? Come here. Come here and learn from me. And he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. Does that mean he had a weak heart? Like he needed to be on medicine? <laughs> My heart's kind of weak. You can still come and learn from me, but don't expect me to be getting up walking around. No, that's not what we know that when they say heart, When they talk about the heart, they could have been referring to the physical heart, but we also know that it refers much more often in Scripture to the very core of who we are. And so Christ is giving us, He's telling us the description of His own soul. He says, I am gentle and humble in heart, gentle and lowly in heart. He's given us a view of His soul. Do you know Jesus had a soul? He had an inner life that was created just like ours was created to function with that body and everything all together. The mind and the will and the emotions and all of that stirred up together except His was perfect because it came straight from the Father and it wasn't corrupted by sin like ours is corrupted by sin. He's given us a view into His own soul. 
He says, I am gentle and humble in heart. And there was more there than I could fit into here. That's going to be a different sermon somewhere else because I want you to understand that he came here and he bared his soul to us. And he said, this is who I am. That's the first thing he told him when he said, come, you who are tired, come, you who are burdened. This is who I am and you will find rest here. But he bears his soul for us. And he says, I'm gentle and lowly or kind, humble in heart. And then again, we'll have to come back to that because we really don't have all the time today to to cover it like I want to cover it. But I'll let you know because it'll bless you. But he says, for all of you weary, all you who are burdened, come unto me and then take up this yoke. Now, that doesn't seem like something you would give to a bunch of tired folks, right? Come, come take up this yoke. It's like, were you out of beds? I feel like a bed. You know, come to me all you are tired and take up this bed. You know, how about, like, how about a couch? Something for me to rest on. But apparently he was out of those. No, he knows what the most restful thing he can give us who are tired, who are weary, is a new teaching on how to live, is a new teaching on how life really works, a new way to bear responsibilities because we have them, because we can't get away from them. We can't get away from responsibilities. We can't get away from the weights of life. We can't. And truthfully, we want to carry something. We want to carry something. If you do nothing all day, do you know what you wish you would have done? Something. Right? I've always said that. I think that what I want to do is nothing until I do nothing, and then I wish I would have done something. Right? And we felt that. I just want to do nothing all day. Today's a rest day for me. I'm doing nothing. And how do we feel at the end of the day? Terrible terrible and we're in a bad mood because we rested no because we tried to rest the wrong way we want to carry something and that's what i'm seeing for our uh for our young men i see young men trying not to carry anything i see them trying not to be young men i don't know what they're trying to be but they don't want to carry anything and scripture says it's good for a man to 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 bear the load when he's young It's good for a man to feel that burden when he's young. We're made to carry something. You go all the way back to Genesis. I could show it all to you. God put us here to do something, not nothing, but something. We we want to carry a weight, but we need to learn and be taught how to carry it the right way. Because see, what we mess up and do is try to carry too much weight or try to carry it the wrong way. And it takes us down. He's saying you're going to carry something. You're going to tote something, which is actually, again, what we want not to just pick on the young men. We all have that. He said you're going to carry, you're going to tote something, but it's important that you do it the right way. He doesn't when he says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. He doesn't offer us an escape. He doesn't offer us that bed. He doesn't offer us that couch. He gives us the right thing in the right way to carry. He doesn't offer us an escape. He offers us some equipment. He says, take this yoke and learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And easy doesn't mean easy like we think easy mode. It means kind. My yoke, my teaching, my way for you to live is going to be kind to you. It's going to be kind to you.
because His presence, His grace, His teaching about our life is rest for our souls. It is rest for our souls. Going back to this doing nothing, we think we want it to be an easy life. Easy in the way we mean easy. Like easy, medium, hard. We want it to be easy. An easy life, listen, is a myth. An easy life is a myth. You will not have an easy life. I need to make sure you understand that. I know that you do, but I need to make sure you understand that. You will not have an easy life. Specifically, not even, if you try to live life without Jesus, is it going to be easy? No, it's awful. It's awful to live without Christ. In Christ, is life easy? No! That's why he said we need an anchor for our souls. An easy life is a myth. Life, as you go through it, especially if you try to go through it on your own, it is going to wear you out because life is a succession of burdens. It's a succession of problems. And I could go all the way into Problems are our purpose. It's one of the things that we're here for is to, is to be the solution to a problem. Life is a succession of problems and burdens. Hooray! How fun, right? But what it, it, that's why he said, all you who are weary, because it's a succession of burdens. All you who are weighed down too much, come here. Come here. And again, his rest that he's going to give us isn't transactional where we have to bring him something first. All we have to bring him is our weariness. All we have to bring him is our tiredness. All we have to bring him is our soul that is restless. We are infirm and we're also invited. That's the reason we're invited is because we are infirm. And his offer in that is unmatched. It's unmatched. Where else do you find that in this life? Hey, are you a mess? Hey, are you tired? Everything not going well? Come on over here. Stand by me. Come on over here. The only place you find it are people who have spent time with Jesus and are going out in his name to do the same thing that he taught them to do. His offer is unmatched. So he says, let's, let's get practical as we finish up because we're almost done. And again, I just, I love talking about life in him because I need to hear it just as much as anybody else. When he says, all you who are weary, again, we're, we're infirm and we're invited. We know we're invited. He says, come to me. What in the world does that mean for us? Where is he at? Do we got I mean, Jerusalem? Do I have to go there? Where do I have to go? Where is he? I'm invited because of my weakness. I definitely feel my weakness. Where is he at? Where are you? When he says, come to me, how do we come to him? We just come to him gladly, quickly and gladly, like, like we do in salvation from wherever we are, wherever we are, we come to him. As a believer, well, today, you came here. You came here to worship together. That's a great place to come to Him. That's a great place to come to Him because we're joining together, singing about His worth and His goodness and His love towards us. We're, we're going into His Scripture together and we're going over what He said about, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, 
That's a great start. It's a great start. But moreover, again, the question, how many moments in today can I fill with awareness of His presence and acknowledgement of His goodness towards me? Can I, can, can I do that? Can I come to Him when I'm in my car? Can I come to Him when I'm at work? Can I come to Him when I'm at home? And the answer is unequivocally and absolutely yes. 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 How many moments? How can I arrange my days so that I, I can fill some of these moments with awareness of His presence? And look, you don't have to complicate this. As I've learned this, as I begin to learn from Him, what I've figured out is I can just pocket different moments in the day where I take a, even just a few seconds. I'll give you an example. You think about how many times during the day that you go to the bathroom. You're in the bathroom. Generally, when you're in a bathroom, you're in there by yourself. Generally, right? What if every time you were washing your hands, when you finish that, you turn the water off, instead of just going right back out to whatever it is you were going to do next, you take a moment and you close your eyes and you take a deep breath and you say, God, thank you that you're with me right now and that you have been so good to me. You are faithful to me today. And then go back out to what you were doing. What if every time you got in your car, most of the time you get in your car, you're by yourself. And the first thing you do, if you're like me, you get in, you turn it on, you make sure the air is set right, you have you something to listen to, and then you get on your way. You're already thinking about where you're going. But what if when you got in the car, before you left, and again, it's not... Almighty and eternal God, our Heavenly Father, I invite you into this vehicle right now. No, it's just taking a moment. You don't even have to close your eyes. It just helps me. But if you close your eyes and just said, Father, thank you that your faithfulness endures to all generations. And that includes me today. I know you're here. Let me feel you as I'm going through this next thing that I'm about to do. Whatever this next meeting is, Lord, pray. Yes, please pray before you go to Walmart. You're going to need it. You're going to need it. What about if when you're standing in the checkout aisle and it's long and you're having to wait instead of getting your phone out and just flipping through Facebook or whatever, you take a moment and you say, I thank you that you're right here. You are right here with me. You don't leave me or forsake me. You love me and you're teaching me the ways of life. Thank you so much. How many seconds is that? But how many of those can you fit into your day? I'm telling you, you will be shocked at the difference. You will be shocked at the difference because what you'll find is that what we normally do is unless we force that moment on ourselves, we'll walk through that day just like somebody who doesn't have a God. We'll be thinking about the next thing, going on to the next thing, and our soul steadily getting more and more tired or worried or anxious when if we'll just seek Him, come to Him in our weariness and our burdens, He will give us rest. We take up His teaching and we find rest for our souls. So in those moments, remember we talked about that, when you start to identify that there's stuff going on in your soul that isn't good and right and healthy for you. Why are you angry? Why are you worried? Why are you afraid? Why are you jealous? Why are you this? Why are you that? When you start to identify it, if you pair that with just that moment with Him, God forgive me for that. I haven't learned that in you. That's the old me. And I don't want to live that away. Teach me the better. 
Teach me the better in this moment. Just those moments with Him. I'll, I, I just have to go outside sometimes. I have to go outside sometimes. I just walk outside. There's something about being outside that's just better. It's just better when everything has started to get too compact and too, it's right here. I just go outside. And I find myself doing that more and more in the evening. I'll just walk out there for a minute. You know, you put on that pair of Crocs that you got by the door. That's really the only time you wear them. And I'll walk out on the driveway and I'll just look up at the sky. And I'll say, God, I found you to be faithful again today. I haven't always been faithful to you, but man, have you been faithful to me. Thank you. Thank you. And the way I go back in the house is so much better than the way that I came out. And that's not me having to sit and do an hour-long Bible study or, or, or get on the floor and pray for 30 minutes. If, if, you, if you're doing that, praise the Lord. But you can't do that all day long. You've got life that has to be lived. You've got things that have to be done. So your challenge as the keeper of your own soul is to find those moments and how you can pack them with His presence, your awareness and acknowledgement of His presence and His goodness every single day. Every single day. To remember that He is central in our life. You're going to go through this day. You're going to go through tomorrow, Lord willing. You'll still be here at the end of the day tomorrow. You're either going to go through that day with Him or without Him. You're going to go through that day in in awareness of His presence or without it. And we get to make that choice. We can live like He doesn't exist. Even as a believer, we can live like He doesn't exist How much better is it when we live like he is right there with us because he is. He is. And we ask ourselves, is he in this moment right now? Because if he's not, guess what? He can be. He absolutely can be. He said, are you tired? Come here. Are you burdened? Come here. Come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Did you know it's not our job to see that our soul is healed? That's not our job. We can't do it. We've tried. We can't. Our job is to make room for Him to heal us. That's all we have to do is make room for Him in our day. In those moments, we make room for Him to He makes us to lie down in green pastures and besides the still waters. He restores our soul. All we have to do is make room for Him to do it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your invitation to our infirm souls. You saw us weary and You saw us burdened and You saw us needy. And You came for us You entered into that, knowing that you would be rejected, knowing that you would suffer. And you entered into that for us. And then you bid us to come, that if we're weary and if we're heavy burdened, to come to you and in you, we would find rest. You know, you knew before we did that we needed rest for our souls. Before we ever knew and could diagnose that problem in ourselves, you knew it. And you made a way for us to be healed. 
And I thank you that we're not responsible for for figuring out how to heal and restore and keep up our own soul. All we have to do is make room for you to do it. All we have to do is give you an opening. And I thank you that you are faithful to meet us at every single one. You are faithful to be everywhere that you said you would be, that you hear our prayers, that you're present in your word. Every time we turn our attention to you, we we find out that you are already there. And when we gather together, just like we're doing right now, we're reminded that life in you is the best life possible for us or anybody else. God, forgive us for being short-term in our memories about how good you are, how faithful you are, and how much we need you. You are like our breath. You are our portion. You are our cup forever, as the psalmist said. And I thank you that you're teaching us the ways of life. You know that our life is going to be difficult. You know it's going to include burdens. And again, truth be told, we, you've made us to want to carry something. I thank you for teaching us how to carry it the right way where it doesn't hurt us. But with the equipment and the teaching that we receive from you, God, it actually can grow us and mature us into what you've called us to be. That we'll be able to carry more. And what that means is we can be strong when somebody else is weak that we can be ministers of reconciliation in this world. God, help us with wisdom to see how we can open up those moments of our day, even if it's just as trivial as every time we sit down in the car or before we walk in the door when we get home, to take that moment and be aware of you, to acknowledge you, who you are, how much we need you, and how available you have made yourself to us. God, we know that it's there that we'll find rest for our souls. So we come gladly. We we come weak and worn out and also glad that you receive us in such a way and you don't leave us that away when we come into your presence. I thank you that as we go out today, that we go forth with gladness in unity of the faith. And Lord, that you don't let us go through this week all alone. But you go out of here with us. You'll go home with us. You'll go into tonight with us and into tomorrow. You don't leave us or forsake us. He told his disciples, Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit had been with them and would be in them. And I thank you that we are the dwelling place. We are the dwelling place of the Most High. We're little temples where your presence dwells. Let us not forget it or take it for granted. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for rest for our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.